Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the RMV Podcast. Kyle here. I'm here with Tom and Ed. Fellas, what's going on? Chilling, players. What's up with you? Not much. Tom, rumor has it you were at the grocery store earlier and you saw some Sour Patch Kids cereal. Did you get some? Uh, no. I couldn't even convince my wife to buy them either, and she loves Sour Patch Kids. Can you imagine what that milk would taste like? Well, yeah, I love Sour Patch Kids as well, but some things need to be left alone and left out of the cereal box. Why was I to eat that? Wait, Ed, you love sour milk, though. I love Sour Patch Kids. I don't love sour milk. <laughs> All right. All right. And what were, what were you eating, Kyle? Uh, French toast. What was wrong That's... with it? it? It looked pretty weak. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> thankfully, that wasn't my man Kyle's breakfast. That was the breakfast of champions if you went to one of Kanye's concerts, apparently. Oh. Mm. Oh, right. Yep. Yum. Uh, yeah, so Tom, that plate was uh, $55, apparently. What the heck? What is yeah, on there? 50- a piece of sausage and half a pancake? Half a pancake, a piece of sausage, and a whole lot of struggle. You gotta, <laughs> you know, you run around with Kanye these days, you're living off a of prayer, so I hope you prayed up a good meal before you went there and shoveled that garbage down your throat. Hold up, Yikes. Can we give the people some context, Ed? Uh, if we must. Well, Tom, so uh, Kanye's been doing these like Sunday services where he travels with his choir from city to city. Um, he actually charges for it, but you know uh, that that's that's a conversation for another day. But with part of his service is a brunch that he also serves, and it's like fifty five dollars for this brunch, and one person took a photo of what they were serving and it was the photo that i sent you so disturbing ed that now they're charging people to go to church what's next yep you got you got to pay to go to church and you got to get pay to get two pancakes and one slice of bacon they look like it already fell on the floor this is your oh, hero God. people player do you know that people are still cussing me out over my kanye review i thought kanye taught y'all to love the lord what's with all the cussing and death threats Oh my God, he he sounds like he's one another one of those crook preachers or whatever pastors, those super churches or whatever who's just making millions of dollars off of people and not really doing any of the Lord's work here. Well, I, as I said in my review, I can't judge somebody's walk, but I can sure judge your music, and that is looking shaded. That is not of the Lord, especially them ragged looking pancakes. Get it together. <laughs> so the question of the day then. What meal is more appetizing, Kanye's breakfast or Ja Rule's Firefest sandwich? Well, at least Kanye, you got to like, I don't want to say three square meals, but you had a little protein. You had a little bit of like <laughs> grains and stuff. What did I think Ja just gave you a cheese sandwich and an old Murder Inc. CD. Like, what else did you get? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, tasty. <laughs> But guys, uh, a lot to talk about in R&B this week. Got some new music to talk about, but guys, I need to announce some very sad news for you guys. Actually, I have two pieces of news that are very sad. Are you guys ready? I'm afraid to ask, but go ahead. (sighs) Tom, the Immature Throwback Tour is not looking too good. They were supposed to have three dates lined up. I think it was New York, D.C., 
and I forget what the other city was, but those three dates have been canceled, leaving only a handful of shows left. They were trying to aim for 30-something shows. They really only got to eight. Three of them have been canceled. Tom, Immature, Jay Holiday, B5, Day26, and Ray J, who dropped out recently. What the heck happened here? Uh, well, we discussed this when it first was announced, and I didn't think it was going to do well, and um, it didn't. But that's not the point. I didn't think the uh, B2K reunion tour would do well either, and that did well. But my my main still thing I'll come back to is no one was really excited for an immature reunion. It wasn't even a real reunion because they got back together like a year or two ago. So, And then the, the, the supporting lineup just wasn't that strong to do a full tour like this. Man, Ed, what did you think? And I and going back to our earlier conversation, Tom, if you remember, I thought that this was flawed on the face of it because we're mixing generations. Immature is sort of, I would say, like my generation and maybe even a little bit before. But they've got a bunch of headliners from like Kyle's generation because they're mixing solo Marcus Houston guys and immature. Those are two different generations. So, number one, you're splitting your audience. You're not hitting that. B2K, whatever they call that reunion tour, because that was a specific audience, a specific segment of fans. This, they kind of all over the board with it, and it didn't help with all this back and forth and infighting and good lord. So, unfortunately, this thing was doomed from jump. Damn. Well, apparently a couple of the dates are still on as we speak. It might get canceled right after this podcast, but Tom... Do we deserve an apology from the B5 fans? Because they got mad at us initially when we said that they wouldn't be able to sell tickets and bring everyone to this tour. And look at it now. It's canceled for the most part. Uh, I mean, I don't like to celebrate anyone's downfall. I actually feel kind of bad. I was still surprised there were such loyal B5 fans, to be honest. Man, all I'm saying is they should get it together, do their own little tour. If they have really such passionate fans, why not give us some music? They've been promising music for so many years now, even even earlier this year, I believe, and nothing has really come from it. So they need to get together on their end before they can have their fans coming for us. Exactly. My four favorite words, player. I told you so. <laughs> Wait, their EP <laughs> was going to be called The New Jacksons, Tom? Oh, yeah. I, that, that was really going to go over well. Good luck with that. <laughs> and then you sent us a link, Kyle. Yeah, B5 and Jay Holiday beefing. Well, what the heck is that all about? Oh, my goodness, yes. <sighs> Listen. Yes, I know Jay Holiday seems to get mad about everything. <laughs> but I got the inside scoop on this one. Ed, okay. are, you ready to get, are you ready to spill I'm... some tea? Yeah, player. It's, it's tea time. Let's do this. All right. So this is as per Jay Holiday's team. So I'm not going to say it's true or not. But this is what I was told. The New York date for that tour was canceled. But, you know, their flights, they still bought flights for the show. So Jay Holiday's team said, okay, let's make the best of it while we're in New York. There's no show, but maybe we can find a club to book us for a hosting gig. So they find a club, um, I think in New Jersey, actually, Tom. And they book Jay Holiday. (laughs) And... Between the booking and the actual show, B5's manager calls the promoter and says something along the lines of, yo, just back out of that booking and book B5 instead. Jay Holiday won't be able to sell you any tickets anyway. Word gets back to Jay Holiday's team, and hence Jay Holiday goes off on Instagram. 
Well, if this is true, and again, you're just reporting what was told to you. So again, let's get it straight before anybody says, oh, soul back is spreading rumors. This is a credible source talking to a member of the podcast. So let's get that out there. Number two, if this is true, I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> you know what's funny about this whole thing? You sent us that link from the shade room of Jay Holiday video talking trash, then Dustin from B5 talking trash. I read the first comment that got the most likes, and it said, who the F is Dustin? So I immediately just closed <laughs> it out from there. <laughs> I Good gave up God. from there. Good <laughs> Lord, player. I mean, guys, I understand it's tough out here in these R&B streets, and everyone wants to bag. But come on, let's play fair. You don't want, you don't need to kill someone else's booking just to get your own. Do you really need oh, to do that, Ed? No, and we talked about this a million times. Why is R and B look look at this compared to hip hop? When we see these hip hop reunion tours and these guys from the same generation or even different generations getting together for the cause of look, we just got here to make some money. We might have beefed in the past, but whatever. But you never see, well, rarely see. That level of unity and being on the same page in R&B, especially, I'm going to call out your generation, Kyle, especially from your generation. Like, you can give the Keiths and the Joes and, and the Cases, like, those guys roll deep. But, man, if you dropped in 2000, I don't know what happened, but Players is out for blood. And it's so ridiculous because when you're doing this, you're not only hurting that man's pockets, you're going to hurt your pockets as well. What is the point? What is the point? Hold up, Kyle. We have another issue. I didn't actually watch the interview, but I saw a headline about Immature. It was like promoting their interview. I think it might have been even on The Breakfast Club. I don't know, but apparently Brandy was the reason that one one of the dudes in Immature is blind in one eye. I didn't catch that story, though. Does anyone know anything about this? Yeah, this and um, that has gone around, but honestly, that rumor of that has been around for years. It just sounds so ridiculous that I never thought it was true. So apparently it is true. I believe, and y'all, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. Hit me up at ET Bowser on Twitter. I'll be happy to set it straight if I'm getting the story wrong. If I remember right, it was something like Brandy was in the room with LDB. I can't whoever the one that has the eye patches. LB, LDB or Romeo, one of them. I can't remember. But um, she threw a book or something, and it smacked dude square in the eye and like knocked his lens out, and that's what happened. Ouch. But that story sounds so odd and weird that Brandy would do it. I always thought it was a lie, but apparently it's true. Well, then, maybe it was a Bible, and that's why she <laughs> called the vocal Bible. Oh, my oh. God, Claire. <laughs> I would really hope that Romeo didn't get his eye knocked out because of Jesus. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> well, Tom, I'm going to have to send you over to the next uh, throwback immature tour backstage just so you make sure one of the B5 members don't throw a book at Jay Holiday. Can we do that? Oh, God. Fair enough. Might end up being like Royal Rumble in there. Nice. That's exciting, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so there's that. Now, Ed, there is one artist who is not interested in securing the bag anymore. Uh, your girl, Summer Walker, she went on Twitter on Instagram yesterday to announce that she will be retiring from the music game. She's fed up with all the interviews, all the glitz and the glamour, all the commitment, all of this just to secure the bag. She says once she's finished with this tour that she's on right now, 
she's going to be done and she's going to just go back to her regular life. So Tom, before I get you to answer um, just how hard the music industry is, Ed, if Summer Walker retires, how much are we going to miss? What, and who's going to, y'all going to really miss these sad um, dry vocals? These, um, as I said in my <laughs> review oh, on the on. Kanye thing, those communion wafer dry vocals, because they were struggling. But I, it's honestly not a surprise. None of this career arc is not a surprise. Look at what we've done here. This is another t- example of a lack of artist development. We get these artists still raw, still not really accustomed to the stardom that comes with this. Because a lot of these youngins don't realize. They think that to blow up, oh, I got to sing the little pretty. They'll throw me in the studio, clean it up. And I'll be a megastar and I'll get to sit beside Beyonce at some football game. I mean basketball game. That's not how this works. It's hard work. It's being on the road. There's a lot of interviews, a lot of people in your business. And I don't think the industry is doing a good job of nurturing these artists, especially in the social media era where you're on blast 24-7 and you're expected to look perfect to be on blast 24-7. We know we've talked before about her issues with her mental um, issues and emotional issues that she's dealing with. And I'm not making light of that, but it's quite clear that she has not received the development that she needs. So throw that on board with just that she's not very good. I'm sorry. No wonder she wants to bow out. The pressure is too much. Do I think she's going to bow? No, she'll take some time off and then she'll get the bug again and they'll get her back in the studio and she'll come back. And we'll say, oh, she's back, and she'll have her reunion out, and blah, 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 blah. But no, none of this is a surprise. It's too much pressure and too little artist development. And we spent more time teaching her how to sing and keeping her off of Instagram. Maybe we wouldn't be here. Mm. What, what would we miss, Kyle? Well, until about two weeks ago, I, I thought her and Queen Nigel were the same person. So I'm still trying to oh. catch up here. <laughs> Come on. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Actually, I know that, Kyle, you really want to, are trying to cover her show and you've been trying to interview her. We just reached out to a label for the interview. Unfortunately, we got turned down. I guess she doesn't do many interviews. I guess now we know why she doesn't even like doing interviews. So hopefully you'll still be able to cover the show, though. Yeah, but Tom, I'm going to ask you this. Yeah. Tom, can I ask you this? This music industry, and so, so many people get eaten alive in this industry, None of us obviously live, work, or do anything in the music industry, except I guess for this podcast. So maybe we don't have that much credibility. But from what you've seen, is the industry really that evil and dark and all of this, or are people just not built for this? Uh, I feel like it's probably the best and worst time to be an artist. The best because you could easily get on now. It's not like it used to be where it was just like you had to bump into someone at McDonald's and you know happen to run into R. Kelly, he'll sign you, whatever. Now you can oh. just get heard online. Well, that's a real story. That's happened. That, so, that is true. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, and it's bad because if you ever go on your feed and see all the haters, they can really tear you down. You can be miserable. So I get it, man. I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah, you are not and wrong. And unfortunately, yeah. it's the best and worst of times. You can blow up simply because you have a large following, and you can have a large following not even because you can sing. It's because you're attractive, or because you're funny, or because I don't know people like your IG photos of the paintings you make or something. I don't know. But artists are looking for labels are looking for artists with followings. You got that. 
It's much easier to get on than auditioning in front of Heavy D and McDonald's on the spot. Because again, it's not about like talent. It's about do you have an audience? If you have an audience, easy to get on. However, that sort of immaturity to the actual music industry itself or to singing. Some of these people don't have don't even have backgrounds in in the churches or things like that we accustomed from the legends who have been groomed and like like had kind of vocal coaching all their years. These are just random just random people who may have raw talent, but it hasn't been refined. So they're thrown out there with no safety net. No wonder they're falling so fast. And not to sound insensitive to the topic, but Tom, what if, and I'm just saying what if, Summer Walker is using this whole retirement thing, this anxiety thing, all as a gimmick to sell more. Would that be uncool? Uh, that's never happened before, guys. Come on. All right. Oh, really? <laughs> Wait, it happened like two months ago. But I get what you're saying, Tom. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not wrong, Kyle. I have had many people in the Soul and Stereo Cypher over on Facebook say, I don't think this is real. I think this is a gimmick. I think this is just her way to get some buzz. It's terrible. Didn't, I don't um, think it's that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Didn't Ari Lennox do something similar? But I think she was like serious about it years ago. Oh, I vaguely remember that. And I don't remember the details. I remember her just... There was something... Like, yeah, like I thought it was a similar, but she was actually serious. She just was done with the industry. Yeah, it was well, something like that. Well, she just like recently fired her managers, so maybe she is done. Hmm. No, I don't ever believe in done. Okay, here we go. Back 2018, August, Ari Lennox on quitting music. I'm not mentally okay. She so, turned it around pretty yeah. quickly, though. Is it Money When talks. you get a hit, it's easy to turn it around. Money talks, guys. Exactly. Uh, and then, Ed, the other part of this is with Summer Walker. There's rumors going along, uh, around the internet that she doesn't like to shower. Thoughts? Oh my gosh, yes. I totally I, I meant to mention this last week. Yes, not only are her vocals musty, apparently her underarms are too. What is happening? <laughs> no, no. I don't understand. What? No, Tom, she <laughs> prefers to take baths as opposed to showering, like bubble baths. Is that clean? Um, I guess. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never taken I a mean, bubble bath, to be honest. So, As long as she's taking them. I'm not mad at that. I thought you were just saying she just wasn't doing anything. But, like, yes, yeah, if she's taking them every day and scrubbing like she's supposed to be scrubbing, okay. Seems what like about it wet wipes? a long time, though. What about wet what? wipes and just cleaning yourself with those? <laughs> no. Clean? I'm not a toddler. What are you talking about? A grown woman, not a six week old, wiping her down like an old car. Oh man, shout out to to Little Maverick. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Jeez. All right, let's get into the new music here. We got a couple to talk about here. Ed, your baby mama, Deborah Cox, new single. Yes. Produced by Rico Love. Yes, my baby mama is back like she never left. I like this one. New single. It's definitely. It sounds different, sounds a little bit more modern for her sound, but it still sounds like a good old Deborah song. She gets to showcase a little bit of the vocals, doesn't go crazy, but it feels like a fun radio track. I'm here for it. Tom, what can we expect from Deborah Cox in 2019? She has a pretty big following still. I could have sworn this was going to be a dancey song. I mean, that's what we've been getting from her, you know, over the past 
She hasn't put out an album in 11 years, almost to this date. Yeah. So, And uh, some of her biggest hits are her dance remixes. A lot of her audience likes that type of music, so I was surprised. This sounded like a Rico love song from the early 2010s, like when he was kind of doing his thing big time still, which I'm not mad at. I just found it interesting. But um, hopefully this finally leads to a new album. We talked to her in like 2015, and she said her new album, Work of Art, was on the way. Back when she was on Primary Wave, obviously that didn't come to fruition, so we'll see, I guess. We shall see. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that it sounded like a old Rico love song, because some of the complaints I did hear said that the song did sound a little dated, like it was from like another era. So you might be on to something yeah. there, but I thought it was pretty good. Again, it's, it didn't sound like a traditional Deborah song, but she's not trapping, and good Lord, we can just <laughs> pray for small miracles. <laughs> small victories right there. Ed, are any of those Deborah Cox dance remixes good? Do you like any of them? They are not my speed. They're not for me. But, again, as we said, they're a huge audience. She, like, has a ton of number ones from these things. And for her audience, she's, like, the queen of the dance hall. So, ain't my thing, but apparently <laughs> there are lots and lots and lots of success in that arena. So, props to my girl. Hmm. Um, another song that came out, Tiana Taylor and Kalani came together for the song Morning. Guys, can I talk about this song for a second? Oh, are we going to talk about the song or are we going to talk about the video, Kyle? Because I know you. Well, were they getting it on in the video? I didn't watch, but like, what was going on? It was close. Yeah. So, the, so you know last week when I called Victoria Monet's music video the greatest music video of all time? Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that title is gone. We have a new champ now. This <laughs> Tiana Taylor and Kalani <laughs> video. My goodness. Hold on, hold on. Because, Ed, I need next one. I, this is a love letters type deal here, but aren't they both in relationships with men? Yes, they are. But in this video, all bets are off, clearly, because they getting raw on this. Here's the thing with the song players. I love the production. I like the vibe. I even like the hook. But maybe your boy is just getting a little too up in age and a little too long in the tooth. But the lyrics are just so, like... Not even, I'm okay with sexual. I came up in a little Kim era. Ain't too much that'll make me, like, shy away. But there's just, like, no melody to the lyrics. They're just so blunt. It's not good songwriting to me. Like, if you want to talk about lady bits and all types of vaginas and whatever, at least do it in a way where it flows into the song. But it's just so ham-fistedly written that it really took me out of the song. I wanted to like it, but now I was just listening to the lyrics. I'm like, this sounds so stupid. Yeah, so as I was saying, the music video is the greatest thing of all time. And the music oh itself. Oh, my God. Guys, I had no idea what was going on. Ed, you spoke on a lot of the points that I was going to make. There was no melody to this. Too many big words. No catchiness. <laughs> Too many big words? Too oh, many big words. Man. Ed, it wasn't a science project. in a song. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, how are you going to drop a word like clitoris just in the middle of a song? You're going to talk about the fallopian tubes next? Like, this isn't a, there's no romance here. It's like a anatomy chart. They, they, there is a way to write about sexiness. And even if you want to get a little crude and gross, we can do that too. But we can do that in a way where it's still some art to it. That's what bothers me about this song. It's a waste of a beat and a concept. It was almost hot. But whoever wrote it messed it up. 
video was hot though, so we'll give it a pass. Um, I bet. <laughs> Uh, we got another record, and this one is very uh, eclectic. Um, the f- cover page sort of looked like The Undertaker. Uh, Miguel's Funeral. Oh. <laughs> What's going on in this song, Tom? I didn't listen to the song. Um, I did read he has a new EP on the way. Did you guys like the song? Uh, there was a lot of fans of this song over on, in the Cypher earlier this week. I wasn't really feeling it. It was okay. I get that Miguel is great and he goes into that Prince vibe and I appreciate this where every project he kind of embraces a new sound. So nothing sounds like the previous project. That's good for keeping your craft fresh. This one just sounds a little too electronic and distorted for me. Just kind of took me out of the experience. It was just okay. Yeah. I would say the same, and Tom, earlier in the week we were debating or looking at who would possibly be the top R&B act of this generation. Miguel's name came up, obviously, but little do you guys know, or maybe you guys do know, Chris Brown has two number one songs on radio right now, Urban, he has the record Heat with Gunna, and on Rhythmic, No Guidance with Drake. That, my friend, right there is your artist of the decade. I'm glad you brought this up, actually. It's, it's Think about this, though, whoever's listening real quick. Think about in the past decade, which is the biggest, who, who's had the most success, who's been the most consistent, um, who's put out the best music, most hits. I mean, I tried to think about it. I, I sent it to you guys to think about. It was a tough one. I thought, you know, there was going to be more choices, but realistically... There was no one else I could really think of besides this one guy, even though I hated to say it. And I even tried to really think about a contender. And um, I, we all came up with Chris Brown as the undeniable one, right, Ed? Unfortunately, you're right. Um, <laughs> leading up to this, um, I did a couple, a few people may remember, I did a post called the Kings and Queens of R&B for the 90s. And then I did one for the 2000s. And I'm sure I'll do one for the 2010s eventually, before the year comes out, maybe. But... Every year, there was a artist who, because the way I do these posts, I take the year in music and I kind of crown a king or queen for that year. And then whoever has the most is named king or queen for the decade. Every year, you can go back and look, whether it's Boys to Men or it's Mary J. Blige or it's Usher or Alicia Keys. And you can go back and revisit and be like, yep, that was so-and-so's year. The 2010s is so weird because... Even though I can tell you in 94 who was the hottest artist at the time, I can't tell you in 2014 or 2017 or 2018 who was the hottest R&B artist because it's just all over the place. And the only person who has made a dent in the mainstream consistently for this decade, Tom is right, Cousin Chris. And it's not because he's necessarily been good. It's just because he's been ever present. He's dropped tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of material. So that stuff, and he has a very local, loyal fan base that makes at least a couple of these songs go number one, whether they're good or not. You can't remember them. You think somebody can remember that Gunna song in two years as, oh man, that song was the hottest song of 2019, please. But they're hot in the moment. He knows how to play the system. And unfortunately, when it comes to everybody else, He's been the one that kind of was the flag bearer. So he's probably our contender for best of the decade. Mm. Thank you, Ed. Uh, let me ask no. you guys. 
I'm going to name a couple of other artists who uh, could possibly be in contention for artists of the decade because they've had the hits to go with it. Miguel, does he make your cut? Mm, Quality-wise, maybe. I mean, like I'm, I want him to be. Just selfishly, I want him to be because I'm a fan. But I don't know if he's had the consistency over the decade. He definitely had a couple years where he was on top. But I don't see a consistent run. Yeah, so I'm in the same boat. I think he might be the closest one. And I don't even think he's close, to be honest. And I don't if he, really, if, he, if he didn't have a Dorn, he wouldn't even be in the same discussion. But I, I just think it's going to be the same story. Everyone else we discussed haven't put out enough material, haven't been consistent enough with the material. You know, really just kind of disappeared for a decade almost, it seems like. Like, put out release every five years. So who else you got, though, Kyle? Um, so I was going to name this person, but the last time we talked about him, Tom, Ed threatened to, like, end our lives on Earth, if we mentioned his oh. name, but, um, the general tank. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, as ridiculous as that sounds, and I think that's a hard no, by the way, um, <sighs> When it comes to consistency, when it comes to visibility, and when it comes to... And see, I don't even want to say when it comes to hits. Because everybody keeps going back to the one hit. You had one hit. Like, what was the rest? What was the other hit of the decade that matched up to that freaking trap song? Somebody tell me. Because the charts mm-hmm. ain't proving you right. So, I mean, he would probably, I guess, be in the top ten of contenders. But please. Hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at his albums. I mean, he put out six this decade. So, I mean, he's got enough body of work. But if you think about it, he really hasn't, like Ed said, he really hasn't had any hits aside from that one. I mean, a lot lot of these albums were commercial flops, and that's why he gave up on traditional R&B. So that's one way to look at it. Right. And then he came back with the one that hit. So now we're stuck in that for the next three or four or five years until he's proven wrong. Right. Um, what about these guys? These are all, all of Ed's boys. We have The Weeknd, Frank Ocean, and Jeremiah. Wait a minute. What? Oh my how God. are these... <laughs> how is this modly crew my boys? First of all, Weekend. I have said before, Weekend early on, probably like 2010s or so, he had a little bit of promise, but boy, he decided to go pop and then... And I have no problem with going pop. But boy, that quality went south fast. I don't know what he's doing. Absolutely not. Jeremiah's a walking train wreck. No, he doesn't even get... <laughs> uh, he didn't get half a bar, as Jay-Z would say. Oh. And who was the other person? Frank Ocean. I, if I was working for Complex, I would say he was the greatest R&B artist of the decade. But we got better sense than that. All right. Oof. And... And what about our boy King Usher? He oh, had hits. What? He had a what? couple. That no limit. He song. had a player. Tom, it's time for we. It's time. It's time. <laughs> that no limit song was one of the worst songs of the decade, in my opinion. Right. Yes, it was one of the worst of the decade. I mean, he did have some. It seems like forever ago, but he did have some good stuff at the very beginning of the decade. But by 2012, that brother checked out. Yep. Ed, you gotta go and revisit the A album again. I'm just saying. Revisit it for what? That's only gutter so song. much. That, that gutter song? 
Look, if it's all, there's a reason why you put trash in a can and you throw it out. You don't go back and dig through it again. <laughs> oh, all right, all geez. right. Uh, speaking of Jeremiah, I think we'll all be very excited about this one. He's dropping a new mixtape next week, and Ashanti is on the album cover. That's exciting. Well, I guess you're excited. The rest of us who have good sense will be doing something else next week, like cutting our toenails or something. Oh, oh. Hold, right. wait, hold on, hold on, guys. I gotta circle back to that artist of the decade real quick. We didn't name one female artist. I know we're a I bunch mean, of just, chauvinists. No, but like, is anyone even come to mind? I'm trying to. I was trying to think about it myself. No, I, I mean, mean um, when I go Beyonce, back to my no. Uh, I mean I again, guess. people. People will make a case for Beyonce, but. I would even argue against that because those later releases aren't really R&B albums. I mean, she's rapping half the time now, so I wouldn't count yeah. that. Then you yeah. got people like Tamia and, Mar- um, not Mariah, um, Marsha, who, and I did my list of the 30 best albums of the decade. They had both, like, very good presence there. But again, the consistency. Marsha was yeah. great at the beginning of the decade, and then she kind of, sputtered out a little bit when she had her daughter. No beef there, but she just had her other priorities. To me, it was great when we saw her, but again, there was no consistency across the board. It's really hard yeah. to argue against cousin, cousin Chris because he was there. And you could make a case for Beyonce, but I think that's stretching it. Hmm. Ed, you're not going to put Bruno Mars on this list? <laughs> oh my God. Bruno had like Two albums the whole decade worth contention. He good. Hold up. Tom, I got him where I want him. He can't be the uh, artist what? of the decade, but he's a top 50 greatest R&B act of all time. Ah. <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. We're going back to that again. Oh, yes, tell me. Go tell me which one of your boys had a better album than 24K Magic in the past decade. Indigo was pretty good. Oh my. I'm clutching my heart because I'm about to have a coronary right here on this podcast. I'm passing a kidney oh. stone right now. Hold on. Hold on a second. So I want to hear more about this Jacquees interview that Kyle did because specifically I asked Kyle to ask him who are the top five R&B artists. And I, and I was interested to hear the answer to that, Kyle. Oh, no. What did this? Oh, my gosh. What did this fool say? Uh, well, he said number one was Jacquees. Of course he did. Uh, then he said uh, Michael Jackson, Chris Brown, Usher, and then Jodeci or Boyz II Men. Mm-hmm. So he knows his music. Uh, not, not one female. I mean, well, first of all, he knows his music. Uh, if you ask somebody off the street that's never heard of R&B before their name are, they would name those people. So that's nothing. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Can we talk about Tyrese for a second, guys? No, you're just going from bad to worse. Okay. No, no. Tom, (laughs) I think this is actually really innovative, Tom. He's starting his own TV channel, Tyrese TV. On what station? That I'm not sure of, but I'm assuming you'll have to pay like a subscription. But what's what's included in this subscription is his new double album that's coming out, um, a new podcast that he's going to be doing, and live footage or just footage of general in general of him in the studio in business meetings um and just talking to the fans that's pretty cool he's interacting with his people 
Wait a minute, player. Did you just tell me that this brother <laughs> had a TV show? He's got his own channel coming out. But the only thing that he's going to show is him talking to people while he's at work? What? And if you're lucky, you'll even get footage of him taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, can they at least throw some reruns of Transformers or Fast and the Furious or something up there? So I don't have to just watch Tyrese in the studio while he's... Fussing at people? What kind of TV's channel is this? I don't know, but I might have to subscribe to find out. But, Ed, if you're lucky right now, I think he's making like contests on Instagram. If you comment on it, you could be one of 50 people to do a live FaceTime session with him. I can't wait to be one of 50 people that he ignores on FaceTime because I ask him about a TGT reunion. Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, Damn. Guys, can we quickly uh, get into Ed's rankings for this Drew Hill and Cisco album thing that you did recently? Yes. Uh-oh. Tom, you'll be excited about this one. Ed, break it down. Yeah, so for this one, I decided to not only look at Drew Hill's discography. As we know, Drew Hill has a, I mean, man, it's crazy to think about now, but 20-year career, but they only have maybe four albums, so that was a little too short, so to kind of pad things out a bit, I decided to throw in Cisco's solo albums as well, just to kind of give it a little bit more weight. So that's how we went with it. Now, Tom, before we go into Ed's rankings, can I get your rankings? I mean, I actually read the article uh, earlier today when I saw it pop up. And uh, I actually agreed with Ed, Ed's rankings. I had no argument against it. I mean, I think it's pretty cut and dry uh, how to rank these albums. You know, some of them have been really good, and some of them just haven't been that good. So, Ed, I'll let you break it down for us. Cool. So, and again, like you said, this one was pretty cut and dry. But last on the list, bringing up a rear, is the album that I totally even forgot existed, even though it's less <laughs> than five years old, and I reviewed it. Cisco's third album, Last Dragon. I totally forgot this thing existed. And I think most of our readers did as well. So, not the worst thing ever, but it certainly isn't the best. So, it kind of brings up the rear. Did y'all remember this album? Because your boy did not. I did mm. not, actually. Not I forgot what? about it. Nope. I remember he had a song with Waka Flocka, and I was done. <laughs> I forgot that. So, anyway, number six coming in was kind of the final, as of right now, Drew Hill album, In Drew Pendence Day, which is impossible to say. I don't know how that title got greenlit. But just like the Cisco album, <laughs> it just isn't much there. I did like Away. I really like that song, and I've been rocking that for 10 years now. But besides that, just not much there. And that was the last kind of album we got with the, I think they were back at four members at this point. Yep. I just feel like with this album, the production sounds exactly the same on every single song. For most of them, yes. I remember that okay. Love MD song. Yeah. I just remember yep. playing that back in like 2010 and saying, why did they just put out the same song 10 times over? But hey, Ed, at least you liked some songs on here. <laughs> yeah, I like. I really like The Way. That's my joint. Number yeah. five is the reason for the sophomore jinx. Cisco's second album, Return of the Dragon. This album, 
I know I, I, my brother-in-law is not alone in this. There are lots of Cisco defenders that defend this album, but player, I ain't with it. Coming off of that last album, I never compare an album to a previous album because it's not fair. But he already had a really tr rough road to travel if he was going to try to beat that. This album just had some really good moments, but it was just so rushed. I think they were just trying to get him back out there to stay on the scene. Cisco, if you weren't around in 2000, 2001, that man was literally flames. He was literally on fire in the literal sense because he was the hottest dude. But he <sighs> did not capitalize on that momentum with this one. You know what? I, I try to revisit an album like every five years or so. Just seeing, I must have missed something, and it's equally as bad every time. I just can't believe how bad it turned out. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so weird that somebody who gave us something so great gave us something so rushed. And again, there are a couple songs I like, but it just ain't hit. Tom, didn't you say that it was this album, the Hot and Wet album by 112, and Don L. Jones' Life Goes On album? Those are like your three biggest disappointments ever? Well, Life Goes On, I didn't think was as bad as the other two you named. The other two no. I literally will not listen to. But uh, I, I don't remember. I think I just had super high expectations for, for Donnell at that time, and I just felt a little underwhelmed when I heard it. I still like some songs. I play them. It's just it wasn't horrible. It just wasn't one of his best. Yeah, it's been forever since I listened to that album, but I would definitely put it above those other two we mentioned. Uh, Better than yeah. Return of the Dragon, for sure. All right, Ed. <laughs> All right, so number four, we go to 2002's Drew World Order. It took forever for this thing to drop. And even though it got, a, at the time, a beating for being pretty bad, it's not that bad. It's just under the quality that we expect from Drew Hill. Are, the first half of the album was pretty good, and it got some decent singles from it that I still rock today, but it's kind of forgettable in the wrong, long run. Not horrid at all, but just not the Drew we know. Tom, was there a point to Scola being in the group? I mean, no disrespect to him because he's actually very talented, <laughs> but I, I never understood it then, and I still don't understand why they added another member. I think they were just trying to fill that dynamic, like kind of how... 112 puts the two dancers on the flyer to make it seem like it's a full group. I mean, I, I don't really get it either, you know, but it didn't last very long. I don't remember the story behind Skola. I'm sure um, my boy DeBrown from the Cypher will kind of chime in and tell us the backstory. But there was some history with Skola, I believe, and he is pretty talented. I think he had a solo album, too, at one point that was not bad at all. So it... I don't even think that he was the reason why the album just didn't, something didn't fit right. I know, I know a lot of people blame, oh, it's the new guy. I don't know if I would go there, but just something was a little off with that one. It was a little unfortunate because we were ready, really ready for them to come back when they did. Number three, an album that is still beloved to this day, Enter the Drew. A lot of people call this one their best album. I think it's very, very close, very close. It's just a little too long, a couple songs I would have cut out, but another album that really added to their legacy. They went two for two with this <clears throat> And Ed, I agree I'm about at, that. Ed, I'm looking at number two here, not to jump, but Cisco's first album is five stars? Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. I still stand by that, and I stood by it back then, and I stand by it today. It was the album that should have made Cisco 
a megastar. And for a very short time, he was. This album is as good as any Drew Hill album. It felt different than a Drew Hill album. But we got the incredible, hyperactive Drew Hill songs that Cisco loves to do with his screaming and singing real fast. We got the slowed down songs. Got some great writing from Babyface and others. This is how you do a solo project. And it's unfortunate, as great as this album is, that we just did not get the follow-up that went along with it. A lot of unrealized potential with Cisco following this one. Tom, is this five stars? Uh, <clears throat> I would probably give it four and a half. I could, I could hear the argument for five, though. I just got to remember every song on there. I don't remember loving every song, but I'd say it's probably close. And I remember when it came out, the hype around it. And obviously, hype doesn't create, you know, uh, you know, doesn't touch on the quality. But I just remember he deserved it because it was such a dope project. Very much so. Right. And, of course, number one, Drew Hill's debut. Again, I've heard people say that their second album is their best. And I won't argue too hard against people who say that. But to me, I have to go with the debut. So many classic singles. Front to back, an airtight release. I can't find anything wrong with it. I don't find any weak spots. This is how you debut. This is how you step up. And as I said in my review, I can't remember who it was, and I wish I could shout out who said it, but I read something from someone on Twitter recently who said that Drew Hill is the last great R&B group. And when I first saw that, I was like, player, please. No, that can't be right. But (laughs) as I started to think about it, that's probably true. And this album really cements that. Uh, Kyle, rebuttal? Um, I don't really have a rebuttal. I think the debut album is great. Um, no, no, no. No, I mean to them being the last great R&B group. Don't forget oh. your whole generation that came after. Oh, no. Ed, Tom, did you see the the uh, ranking that, I think it was after 7, Tom, that they posted on their Instagram oh, of the rankings? No, that was Troop. That was Troop. Oh, that was Troop. Troop? I'm sorry. Yeah, so Troop posted yep. a uh, best R&B groups of all time list. You should go check that mm-hmm. out. But they had like day twenty six at number nine all time. Um, and everyone was um, pissed. Um, <laughs> no. Wait, and I we, like day twenty six, but no. Continue, guys. I'm just gonna quickly pull up the list here, just so we can get some clarity on this. If we can, yeah, you do your thing. But um, like I was saying about the last great R&B group, I mean, when you think about it, 112 is great, but 112 debuted before Drew and then J.E., they're great, but they aren't as when you look at their level of quality, they come close. But Drew Hill, I mean, J.E. never had an album as good as Drew Hill's debut, arguably maybe not even better than his second album. So if there's uh... somebody who's better, I'm struggling. Whoa, right. whoa, 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 whoa. You're getting crazy now here. Jeez. Right, Are you saying well, J.E. Heartbreak is not as good as the first Drew Hill album? Absolutely not. That's not a five-star album. Oh, my goodness. I don't absolutely know what's going not. on here. All right, well, no. let's, let me go through the list here. I've pulled it up, and then we can continue this Drew Hill versus Jagged Edge conversation. <laughs> uh, so this came from Troops. Instagram page. Shout out to little Steve Russell. That's my boy. Um, some people Shout may say this troop. list. Yep. Some Shout people out to may Troop. Say this. Some, somewhere out there still kicking. Yep. Yeah, I love Troop. 
Some might, some people might call this list a little suspect, but I will leave it up to you guys to decide. <laughs> this is the top 20 R&B groups, I guess from like the 80s onwards, because okay. uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, etc. is not on it. So at 20, we have After 7, High 5, Playa, Troop, Immature, H-Town, Silk, Shy, Next, Jagged Edge, Day 26, Mint Condition, Tony, 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 Guy, 112, Blackstreet, Boys to Men, New Edition, Drew Hill, and Jodeci. Thoughts? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Drew Hill Wait a minute. the top New Edition. Wait a minute. Read that top five again. Blackstreet, Boys to Men, New Edition, Drew Hill, and Jodeci. Drew Ed, Hill is better Ed, Ed, than New on. Edition. Ed. Ed, can you recap for us the moment when Drew Hill surpassed New Edition and greatness as well as Boys to Men? Let me figure. I'm still trying to gather my thoughts, player, because Drew Hill, I just hyped them up as the one of the last great groups. But then somebody tells me that they're better than New Edition and Boys to Men? What albums are y'all hearing? <laughs> well... I think what happened was Drew Hill was initially like number six, but because Playa was number eighteen, they like bumped them up because those Playa members are now part of Drew Hill. Oh my God! What? That's logical. About as logical uh, as putting those two ahead of Drew. Oh my gosh! I mean, actually, when you were down in the twenties, I was like, okay, this sounds okay. But once you hit that top ten, it just went all to pieces. All right. So, I'm going to ask a couple of questions here, and you guys can decide. Um, H-Town at number 15, is that too low or too high? Because we, lo- we love H-Town. Uh, I want to say that feels a little high. Um, Tom. Yeah. Jagged Edge is a couple of spots down from 112 and super far away from Drew Hill. Aren't they supposed to be like neck and neck? I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe the layover uh, didn't do too good. Uh, <laughs> no, it did not. Ed, Shy and Silk? Didn't Shy only have, like, one song? First of all, give Shy some respect. They had more than one song. They just had the big breakout hit song. But the Shy and Silk thing, was Shy a before or after Silk? Shy is number 13. Silk is number 14. Silk is number 14. Silk yeah. is after Shy. Yeah. That's a lie. Shy is a lie. <laughs> uh, Shy is a lie. I mean, Shy, again, Shy has some joints. They they had a very short run, but Silk being below them is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Any thoughts on Day 26 being in your top 10, Ed? Um, No. And I, I know it sounds like I'm beating up the boys. I don't beat them up. I think they're fine, but to think that they're a top 10 R&B group of all time is absolutely ridiculous. You must not have heard too many R&B groups if you put them <laughs> above everybody on that list. Good Lord. <laughs> all right, so that is that list. Um, but, Tom, bad news about Drew Hill. They've been doing some shows, and Nokio is nowhere to be found. It's just Cisco and really? members of Playa. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got... I've got some other breaking news for you. Cisco just announced he's putting out new solo music. 
Oh, do you messing up my list already, Cisco? Man, I just published this. <laughs> well, it's just a few songs. I don't know if it's just a one-off thing or if these are old or if he's recording solo. But, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on, guys. I'll tell you what it is. He's testing out the waters just in case this Drew Hill thing doesn't work out anymore. I don't blame the guy. Oh, this Drew Hill thing. They might as well call the group play at this point. If, if, they oh, might as well. Hold up. Tom, isn't isn't Digital Black out here? Doesn't he have like a new like dog line? Did you see his Instagram post? Oh, you sent me that. I thought, what was going on? I thought I was dreaming and I like read that in the middle of the night and it was <laughs> fake. Ed, did you see this? I did not. What is this now? I think he's out here like selling dogs to people. Selling oh, dogs? he has like a breeding thing? Well, I mean, that's not uncommon. I know there are lots of people that have kind of like this breeding business. I didn't know that he did that. So there oh, you go. Oh, man. You might, need a, you might need a good Dalmatian for Maverick, Tom. <laughs> oh, God. No, all, right. all right, moving on. Moving on. Um, can we get into the soul backtrack of the day really quickly? All right. Tom, can we go with the song by Khalees, Popular Thug? Oh, why did you choose that? Because um, apparently there is this uh, group of people on the internet that believe that Khalees' second album, Wonderland, which was unreleased in the States, but you can now stream it, is like, it was a look into the future of pop music and it was way ahead of its time and that album is what pop music is today. That's a little far-fetched, I think. That's quite a stretch. Yeah. Although I do agree that it was a little ahead of its time. But to be like it pioneered it, eh, y'all yeah. just be making up anything for your little content and your little blog posts, huh? Jeez. Exactly. Tom, did you like this album? No. I like some songs. The sound just felt too... Like, it was almost like a fork on a, on a chalkboard for me at times. Like, it... <laughs> Like, if you listen to the lead single, uh, Young, Fresh, and New, like, I could just never get with that song. Like, the beat just, just grating to me. And then the album, I like some songs here and there, but as a whole, the project, it's all over the place, sonically. So, well, no, unfortunately, I didn't like it. To be fair, and I'll just sit, sit this year, and you Khalees fans can come tear me up on E.T. Bowser on Twitter. Tom's thoughts about that album are pretty much my thoughts about almost every Khalees album. It's an what? album what? that always... What about the yes, first one? They're... Hold up. What about the first one? That's classic Neptunes right there, right? Uh, it's good. It's the best one. It's good? I will say... Oh. It's good. It's good. Oh. I'll give it that. It's like a Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's good. But it's, oh. you know, I've, I've had better. But the thing is... With most of her albums, it's filled with three or four songs I really like, but then of like three or four songs I just cannot listen to because it's just I don't know it just goes against my uh, senses. So yeah. that's something I've always struggled with with her music. Tom, I'm willing to bet on the debut album that was probably suspended for Ed. Uh, yeah, that's a <laughs> tough one to like. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, can we get into the play a please slash love letters? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's sort of interesting here, Ed. Um, so, Little Fizz is currently dating Omarion's baby mama. Is this allowed? Oh, I heard about this. Yes, and apparently Omarion was... Apparently social media was expecting Omarion to flip out or something, but he was at the zoo petting, like, parrots or something? It was so weird. <laughs> I was like, good for that man. Let him be unbothered. 
You people are more worried about his issues than y'all than he is, clearly. I mean, that is some shady stuff. I would not I always had I mean, I'm married now, so I'm your boy's off the market. But I always had this kind of unwritten rule where I would not date or approach or go after a girl that either my man was had feelings for or like used to date. Because it just gets murky, even if the brother was like, oh, I'm cool. And this even happened once where like my one of my dudes exes wanted to holler at me. And I'm like, even though he gave the blessing, you never know what un, um, unresolved feelings and stuff are there. So plenty of other fish in the sea. Don't bother. So no, that, that's not a good look. But Omarion don't care. So neither do I. All right. <laughs> Tom, does that mean there will be no more B2K tours for us? I mean, who knows these days? You know, there's some strange stuff going on with this generation. I have no idea, guys. No, right? <laughs> with this generation. <laughs> All right. Seems like J-Book is the only one that's out here just doing his thing and not making any trouble. So shout-outs to J-Book. Well, give it time. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess that's it for this week's podcast. Wait, Ed, hold on? on, hold on, hold we on. We have more? Can I, can I give a player, please? Yes, we I can. have an observation. I have an observation for you. You may may want to correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> spectacular, your boy, the scholar, yep. the, ge- the genius, apparently. He, I, I believe he's wearing glasses on the regular to make himself look smarter than he really is. Oh come on! No Wait, one he wears has fake glasses. glasses. Nobody wears glasses. I think he just wears really? them to make himself look smart. Wait a minute, did you say no one wears glasses? Artists, I mean, like, they all try to act, look so cool. Glasses are not cool, man. This Think man really what, said no one wears artist, glasses. What artist is wearing glasses, like, to sit for vision? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, Think about that. Well, most No, most artists don't wear glasses for vision because they're back flipping on stage and they want to fall off and step on it. But I'm sure they wear it at the house. Uh, I'm sure Jay-Z's got on some bifocals now. He's getting up there. Check your Instagram profiles of all your favorites. You never <laughs> see anyone out in public with regular glasses or bifocals. Except, except for Spectacular. <laughs> except for Spectacular. Because, as we said earlier, Instagram is basically the next stage. So if you're not on the stage in front of people, Instagram is the stage in front of trillions. So no, they're not going to have it on then. They're going to have on their makeup and all their fakeness. We all got a front that's, for the ground. That's my point, man. He's got his his glasses, his bifocals. He's got his braids going on. He's the only one. Find another. Is he performing though, or is he doing taxes? Because the way Kyle talks, he's over here solving um, the riddles of the Sphinx and whatnot. Because he's such a super genius. <laughs> that's pretty accurate, but you know, I think that's my hunch, though. All right. No, please. You well, and your hunches. You know they're suspect. Well, Tom, I'll tell you what about Spectacular. If you watch any YouTube video right now, there's a yep. very high chance that he shows up in your 30-second ad, his company, Adversar. He knows how to mm. manipulate these social media things, so let him be. He's smart. Well, well manipulate is the right word. I'm going to start wearing glasses every day, bifocals, and suddenly I hope we can manipulate people with the Soulback podcast so it's in everyone's mentions. Well, I think that's the wrong strategy. You want to manipulate that, you got to go on Instagram in your draws and do a bunch of <laughs> thirst trap pics. <laughs> so you and Marlene just go and get straight. Tell her to be your oh, photographer. Geez. Do what you got to do. Oh, man. And Ed, Ed, when you come to Vancouver next year, I need you 
to come with me to the mall, and you're gonna have to wear glass uh, sunglasses the entire time. Someone's gonna think you're a celebrity. <laughs> because I'm wearing sunglasses in the mall, they'll think I'm a blind person. They're like, "Is that Stevie?" Usher wears sunglasses <laughs> everywhere. Usher has a lot bigger problems in his vision. Have you heard the A album? Oh, oh, all right, all right, Tom, Ed. Well, Ed, what's going on with Soul and Stereo? <laughs> As we said last week, oh, this guy. Why am I still on this podcast? Anyway. Um, as we said last week, month of November is the month where we do the blog like crazy challenge, which means every single day in the month of November, stop by the site and you will get at least one new piece of content, maybe two if I'm feeling extra froggy. So we already talked about the Drew Hill album rankings. You can go check that out. I also, for my hip hop fans, we have the reunion of Gangstar, one of the most incredible stories of the past decade. You can check out the review and I break down how that reunion happened through all the drama. It's kind of a real cool story how it came up, came together. And then in the coming days, we've got finally that review of Calvin Richardson's album that folks have been asking for. That one's ready to go. Love letters, all the fun stuff, kind of going through the year of R&B releases. I'm looking back at some that I haven't had a chance to discuss. Gonna shout those out on the site. Just go every day, see what I got. It's going to be something. There you go. Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got Soul? Uh, not too much, man. I think I'm finally coming to the end of listening to Stevie Wonder on my one-month hiatus. So I'll be good to get ending that soon. But in the meantime, you've been doing all the interviews for us. You interviewed Jacquees, like we mentioned earlier. How was that? I see we got a ton of comments on that post. Listen, Ed, Tom... I love our fans, but man, I put in hard work to get that interview, and no one bothered to read it. They just dissed the guy <laughs> for like three days straight. Someone even asked, Ugh. why did he change his album from round two to Kings of R&B, and I said, read the interview. Exactly. So, is, so, I'm very upset, but as long as we keep getting that engagement and that traffic, how mad can I really be? That's, that's player. I had to come to realization of that because I have learned that people don't read; they just go in the comments and fuss. But at least you clicked, so thank you for that. Uh, yep. So there is that. And then I also interviewed Harmony Samuels, who talked about the Bonfire album. And one note about this Bonfire uh, song that's out right now: "You Say with Black." I read on the YouTube comments, and this will be rather interesting. Someone said. I thought this was Mila J. Another person said, I thought this was Camilla from uh, Fifth Harmony. And another person wrote, I thought this was Ella May. Man, it almost makes it seem like she's a super generic artist, this bonfire. Ugh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I don't even know what to say. You read in, you read the, the YouTube name of a song and you think it's someone else? Like You think it's a fake version of that person? I don't understand. She doesn't sound like those artists. (laughs) I don't know. But, guys, I guess that's it for this week's You Know I Got Soul and So in Stereo Soul Back podcast. Continue to visit our sites. Join the Cypher. Join the You Know I Got Soul Facebook page. And we will be back next week. And uh, Montrez Jones, if you're out there, study before you listen to the podcast. Do not choose the podcast (laughs) over studying. Studying is important. Thank you. (laughs) We got to keep it educated. Yeah, study. Study, but also listen to the podcast. All right, we're out. Peace. We out.